Uh, I'm pensive today. Do you ever have those days when you're just kind of pensive and thoughtful? That's kind of the frame of mind I'm in. Um, 41 years ago, uh, last week, I was ordained in the Church of the Nazarene. I uh, had an assembly in Medicine Hat. I was ordained as an elder. And in the Church of the Nazarene, there's two orders of ordination, a deacon and an elder. The elder is the preaching order, those who are called to preach. So I was a little pensive about that as I thought about district assembly. And then I got thinking about being an elder. Now, that's really interesting because in another sense of the word, that's the journey I'm on right now. Uh, it, it's really kind of bizarre. Um, I remember asking my late mother when she was younger than me, uh, Granny, because we called her Granny because she hated to be called Granny, and that's what we called her. So, you know, it, it was a, it's, a, it's a thing. Um, but I said, Granny, how do you like being 70? And she said, well, I may be 70 on the outside, but I don't feel 70 on the inside. And that's a bit like being an elder in the sense of age. Um, I go to staff meetings here at the church, They're kind enough to invite me to come. And it's a little bit funny sometimes to be perceived by some of the younger pastoral team as having some kind of wisdom of the years. Uh, and I'm going, huh? You know, what do I know? Uh, I hate to tell you this, if you think you get wiser as you get older, I think you learn that you know less as you get older, the less things you're sure of. It's an interesting journey. So if you're seeking wisdom as you get older, uh, it sort of comes, but at the same time, there's this realization that, man, there's so much I don't know. So, so I'm kind of I'm pensive this morning. Uh, I'm pensive for another couple of reasons as well, and I guess as, a, as an elder, I, I can take a bit of license. Uh, this is Linda's and mine 51st anniversary today. Uh, 20, thank you. <laughs> so 51 years ago, uh, after five years of dating, uh, when she started, we started dating when she was 15 and I was 16, uh, we were married in Saskatoon. And uh, so I've, I've got a word of wisdom for those of you who are engaged or are recently newly married, uh, as the old fellow talks to you. Um, wedding days and wedding nights are wonderful things, but they don't make a marriage. The marriage is the 51 years. <laughs> It's a journey, and you'll see why I'm talking about that a little bit later, but it's a journey, uh, a journey with ups and downs and, and hills and valleys and good times and tears and all those things. But a marriage is very different from a wedding. A wedding is wonderful, can be wonderful, can be challenging, can be very interesting. Uh, our wedding was interesting. Uh, <laughs> you can ask Linda about that. She may want to tell you or not. But, but uh, our marriage from Canada to England, back to Canada through various... Yeah, so young people, younger people, engaged people, wedding days are wonderful things, but the marriage is the journey. It's also my son's 46th birthday. Uh, five years after we got married, our son was our anniversary gift. And uh, he's 46 today, and I'm shaking my head about that. My daughter is three years older than that, but how did that happen? So if you have young children, or if you're expecting children, it's a little bit like the same thing I want to say to you. The birth is a wonderful thing, at least for guys it's a wonderful thing. It's a little tougher on women, so I'm told. Um, but uh, the birth is, is, is exciting, it's marvelous. But the, the raising of a child never ends. <laughs> Whether they're 46 or 48 or 64. Uh, so it's the journey. 
It's the journey from birth. And uh, just be reminded of that. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's a wonderful journey. It's a journey of tears. Sometimes it's a journey of challenges. Uh, but it's, it's, it's a journey. Okay, that was free. Don't charge extra for that. <laughs> As you get older, you can ramble and people forgive you. Let's turn to the Word, shall we? Luke chapter 9, verses 51 through 62. And I'm not sure if we have our prayer up there or not that we usually pray. Yeah, it is. Okay. Would you read with me, pray with me these words? Living God, by your Holy Spirit, open our eyes to see the new light of this day. Open our lips to tell of the empty tomb. Open our hearts to believe the good news through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. This is the word of the Lord as the Gospel of Luke records it. Chapter 9, verse 51. When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers ahead of him, and on their way they entered a village of the Samaritans to prepare for his arrival. But they did not receive him, because his face was set towards Jerusalem. When his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? But he turned and rebuked them, and then they went on to another village. And as they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. And another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at home. And Jesus said to him, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. These are the words of the Lord. I always run out of room. I'm such a pack rat. And I carry such a big Bible. It's the only one I've got that's an NRSV. Um, I can't put it down. I'll put it here. There. A few weeks ago, I was privileged to speak here at Skyview. And if you happen to remember, I spoke and shared a sermon that described the Christian life as a story. The story of God, I called it, a story in which we're invited to share. And I ask you to think about your life of faith in God, in your journey with Jesus, as part of an amazing story that began before history began and will continue after history as we know it is gone. And we're privileged to write our chapter and to be part of that amazing story, the story of God. We're part of the story as by faith we play our part in fulfilling our calling. Well, this morning I want to offer a second metaphor for you. It's interesting how this worked out because the lectionary readings for this morning describe our life with God in another way, in another metaphor or simile. Our journey with God is a story, but it's also a journey. Hence what I was talking about earlier. See, there was a connection. 
journeys. A journey that began before time and creation and continues today as we walk with God and will end one day when we see him face to face and are known and he is known. Journeys have a beginning or a start, a duration, and an ending or an arrival. You make a journey usually from somewhere to somewhere or from somewhere back to somewhere. Sometimes we do go on journeys that don't seem to have any purpose or ending. That's called a Sunday drive. And we head off someplace and wind up someplace, and that's part of the exciting thing. But most times, journeys have a beginning, a duration, and an end. Now, the journey can be a means to an end, or the journey itself can be the adventure, if we make it that. And as we walk with God, the same is true. We are here almost at the end of June, and summer has begun, and it's a beautiful summer's day yet today. These days, gas prices are high, if you haven't noticed. If you drive an F-150, you probably have really noticed. But gas prices are high. I drive a Corolla, and I'm very grateful for that. <laughs> Anyways, that's not a thing to do with the message. Um, but in the summer in Canada, there's a tradition that we often go on road trips. So let me invite you along on a road trip this morning. An adventure with God as our guide and our leader. There can be challenges on every journey. As I talked about marriage and I talked about raising children, any journey was at its challenges. But there can also be great fulfillment and excitement and learning and peace and wonder. The passage this morning from Luke is interesting. Let me give you a little bit of background. The gospel writers all had their own perspective, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. When they wrote their gospels, they wrote from a particular perspective, their particular worldview, their culture, their audience. We always need to remember that. And there are certain themes that go in every gospel are found in, in various gospels. And in the gospel of Luke, if you look at it, the theme in the gospel of Luke is often the journey, the story, the travel, the trip. And as you read through Luke, you find there's many references to journeying and traveling. And here in this passage, we read in verse 51 that when the days drew near for him to be taken up, in other words, when uh, the cross and the empty tomb were looming, that Jesus set his face to go to Jerusalem. Journey. He was traveling from the north of Israel to the south to the holy city. And we have this story of him sending messages ahead and a village of the Samaritans rejecting him. In verse 53, they did not receive him. Why? Because his face was set towards Jerusalem. The Samaritans and the Jews did not get along, and they did not like, the Samaritans did not like Jerusalem. And so they were not happy to have this Jewish rabbi, Jesus, not only traveling through their land, but also traveling towards Jerusalem, which was sort of a counter-holy city for the Samaritans. James and John, the sons of thunder, had their own idea about how those villagers who rejected Jesus should be treated. Uh, they uh, channeled some Old Testament, Elijah and Elisha and some of those characters, 
and said, Lord, would you like us to call down fire from heaven and we'll just barbecue the whole village? And Jesus said, no. He turned and he rebuked them. And then they went on to another village. They kept on traveling. And as they were going along the road, they met three people. Well, let's think about the journey first. As I said, every journey has a beginning and an end, and what we might call a process. For some folks, the beginning is filled with the stress of packing and planning and arranging, of getting someone to take care of the pets, to feed the dog, or to let the cat out, or vice versa, however that works. But the planning takes place, and ideally the trip can be the most exciting part of the whole thing, the most enjoyable part of the whole event. It's a wonderful thing to find and experience the joy of the journey, because under the preparation is a real pain in the neck. So the journey should be good. One of my favorite songwriters from another generation, remember, I'm an elder, is a man named Michael Card. I pattern my own self after Michael Card a little bit in my own songwriting and a bit of singing that I do. But Michael Card wrote these words, or these lyrics. There is a joy in the journey. There's a light we can love on the way. There's a wonder and wilderness, wildness to life and freedom for those who obey. And all those who seek it shall find it, a pardon for all who believe. Hope for the hopeless and sight for the blind. The journey. It's possible in this life, and maybe if you've traveled much, especially as a family, I confess that men are often guilty of this, it can be a problem to get fixated on the destination. We've got 600 miles to make. We're not going to stop if you have to go to the bathroom too bad. Uh, no, we're not having dinner. We've got to get to here. Men get fixated on the destination. Sometimes women do too, but many men. And we can become so fixated on the destination of where we're going that we miss the joy and the wonder of where we are now. We miss the present and focus only on the future. We become so focused in the distance that we have planned to travel on a given day on where we are going to stay that evening or on the next meal or bathroom break that the beauty and the wonder of the immediate surroundings are missed. Grand Canyon? What Grand Canyon? I haven't seen Grand Canyon. With such a focus on the end, there's no time to slow down and, if you will, smell the roses. How many of you have driven past those plaques on the road that say, heritage site, stop here? And you never stop because you've got to get to the next town. I do that all the time. Someday, I'm going to drive from here to Saskatoon and stop at every plaque and read what it says because I have no idea. And I've driven that road hundreds of times. <laughs> got to get to the destination. As Christians, we are on a journey with our Lord, and the old gospel song says, He walks with me, and He talks with me, and He tells me I am His own, and the joy we share as we tarry there. No other has ever known. If we don't take any time to tarry, we're going to miss the joy. We need to make the time and take the time to tarry, to slow down and relax. So let's consider the parts of the journey. Perhaps this morning you're still trying to decide if you'll join Jesus on the journey. Maybe you're new to the journey and just beginning. The journey begins when we walk out the front door, when we put the suitcase in the car, when you put the water bottle in the center console, 
and you turn the key and you back out of the driveway, that's when the journey begins. Every journey has to have a beginning. If you turn the key and sit in the driveway, you're not going on a journey. You're wasting gas. Linda and I had planned a road trip this summer. We were going to go to Ontario. Linda has a twin sister in Toronto, a sister-in-law in Stratford, and another sister who lives in Ottawa. And we had, uh, couple, about a month, six weeks ago, decided we were going to drive that. We hadn't driven to Ontario in a long time. I had some people say, why would you do that? But anyhow, we were going to do that. And uh, then we got looking at the cost. <laughs> and we looked at gas, and we looked at hotels, and we looked at meals. And Linda is flying to Toronto later in July, and I'm staying home, and she's flying on points, and it all worked out really well. <laughs> we counted the cost of the journey and thought, yeah, uh-uh, not going to happen. Not going to happen. Jesus asked the individuals who wanted to follow him, challenged the individuals to count the cost before they followed him. Count the cost. There's no cheap grace in the Christian life. There's no discipleship without cost. When I was pastoring, it used to drive me crazy when some of people would, would ask someone in the church to do something. I want you, would you mind, you know, teaching Sunday school for a week? Or would you do? And, oh, there's nothing to it. That's underselling. It's not even honest. Besides which, most people want to give to something or give themselves to something that is valuable. So if I say, would you like to do this? It's no big deal, you know. You're saying, well, why should I waste my time doing that? <laughs> Count the cost. Look at the cost. There's no cheap grace, no discipleship without cost, but the journey of discipleship of traveling God's way with our, as him with their guide and companion is worth it. We may look at a course of action and begin to make excuses as to why we shouldn't or can't pursue it. We need to consider carefully the reason, the excuses we are making. Weighing the cost against the value. This is what Jesus speaks in verses 57 to 62 of the passage. Sometimes excuses are just that, excuses. And not valid reasons. Sometimes the reasons are valid. How important and valuable is the journey? What's the bang for the buck, if you will? Our lives as Christians have a beginning. They begin in the heart of God who loves us and loved us before we ever knew him. That's called provenient grace. The Holy Spirit is speaking to hearts before they ever acknowledge who God is, before they're aware of who God is. God invites us to join in the journey. And he said to them, follow me. Jesus was continually saying to people, follow me. Come on, follow me. Walk with me. Travel with me. Journey with me. Join me on the journey. And when we respond to the invitation and the promise of 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, we take the first step in the journey. And so what keeps us from responding to Christ? He's inviting us. Some of you have responded, some of you have not. I would ask you to think about why. Are there valid concerns or are they merely excuses for not joining in the journey? But then there's the journey itself. Perhaps today you've been on the journey for quite a while. You've walked with God for some time. Maybe it began as a child or a teenager years ago at a camp or a camp meeting or a revival service or beside your bed with your mom or your dad. But begin it did. 
And like any journey, the journey of faith has its ups and downs. That's only being honest. It's highs and lows. It's composed of extraordinary and ordinary things. The way is not always smooth or easy. And the way may even be involving an occasional detour. But we have this most amazing traveling companion who says it will never leave us. We'll never walk alone. If you're a Liverpool football club fan, you'll know about that song. You'll never walk alone. The journey is one of love and service to God as we serve others. Let me share with you a warning, though, as we travel in this world. We must not risk becoming so, as the old saying goes, heavenly-minded, we're no earthly good. We're on the journey for a reason. You're not here by accident. Oh, there's a heaven to be gained, a hell to be shunned, as the old preachers used to say. But it's a journey. It's the influence on one another. It's the love that we share in the world abroad. That's the point of the journey. That's why we're on it. Read carefully the words of 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, and catch a glimpse of what life on the road should be like. Hear the words of Jesus in John's Gospel, chapter 15. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this to lay down his life for one's friends. You are my friends if you love one another. Philippians 4. Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen, and the God of peace will be with you. Our journey involves continually moving, traveling, moving forward. And yet how often are we like little children on a car trip if you've ever traveled anywhere with little children, how much further? That's 10 minutes after you pulled out of the driveway. How much further? How much longer? I gotta go to the bathroom. <laughs> how much further, Daddy? Never mind, go to sleep. Um, be careful you don't miss the joy of the journey because of your eyes on what the journey's end will bring. I mean this very respectfully, but don't be so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. We're here for a reason. We're here for a purpose. Be careful you don't miss the joy of the journey. Finally, an ending will come. Most journeys end. Sometimes they feel like they never will, but they usually do. I'm told that that journey we planned to Ontario was like that. It would seem like it never ended as you went around the lakehead, but it would someday. Finally, perhaps this morning you feel that you're approaching the end of the journey. Hmm. Back to that elder theme. I don't know about that. And you're weary and you're tired and you're ready to arrive. Every journey has an end, whether it's to arrive at your chosen destination, to arrive back home again from where you've been. You are invited, and we are invited and encouraged to enjoy the journey, to be God's instruments. But to remember always that the journey will end. One of the significant differences between Christianity, if you will, and some of the other Far Eastern religions is that we believe that life is lineal. There's a beginning and there's an end, rather than circular rather than coming back and doing it again and again and again and again. And there will be an end to the journey. 1 Corinthians 13, 12, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face. Now only in part, then I will be known fully.
The scriptures quite clearly teach and promise that the end of the journey is but the beginning of an even greater, never-ending journey. This earthly journey, as wonderful and as challenging as it can be, is but a precursor and a hint at an eternal journey with God in God's presence. Whatever that might look like, and I have no idea. But it'll be good. John, in his revelation, speaks of a new heaven and a new earth, of the kingdom of God, saying, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them as their God, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. For the first things have passed away. So in closing, hopefully some of this has has made some sense. (laughs) In closing, let me return to the original passage from Luke. A passage which speaks clearly of the journey of Jesus and his disciples that they were upon as they headed to Jerusalem. As I said, a theme that runs through Luke continually. And the scripture this morning tells us that Jesus had his eyes set on Jerusalem. He's moving towards the fulfillment of his coming and his calling. In this case, a cross in an empty tomb. And the last stop will be his journey back to the Father. We read that Jesus set his face to go to Jerusalem. There is a commandment and a firmness in that. But realize, too, that if you set your face on a journey, not everyone will agree with your journey that you have chosen. So it's not always going to be received joyfully by those around us. When Linda and I were contemplating our road trip to Ontario, we stopped at the MA office. I joined the MA, and I thought, well, I might as well use it, so I have maps. I got maps. I got lots of maps. Um, We picked all these maps and all these books telling us where we could stay and how much it would cost, and so, hence the change in our journey. We went online and checked out hotels and ferries, and we considered how long we wanted to travel each day and how much gasoline would cost, and then we made our decision. Weigh the cost, look at the challenges, and then decide to follow Christ, for you will never, ever, ever regret it. If you're considering the beginning of the journey and you don't know where to start, Let me suggest to you some things. Read the Gospel of Mark. That's my favorite gospel. Read the Gospel of Mark in a contemporary version, like the New Living or the Message or the contemporary English version, but read in a version you can understand and read about the journey of Jesus in the Gospel of Mark. Perhaps, if you will, and here I'm going to date myself, pick up a copy of a book by C.S. Lewis called Mere Christianity and read it carefully and prayerfully. It'll change your life. And maybe a little more contemporarily, Watch The Chosen. Get the app. Download it onto your iPad and watch The Chosen. I recommend it highly. And look at the life of Jesus. If you need to search that, just search it. It's a wonderful presentation. If you're on the journey today, then may I wish you God's speed and God's blessing. And remind you the Holy Spirit is constantly present with you to guide you in the journey and to lead you. And let me remind you, you were called to make a difference wherever you find yourself on the journey. You're part of a community of faith in Jesus, co-workers with the Holy Spirit, co-travelers with the saints of the past. As the worship song with its roots and our African brothers and sisters saying we are marching in the light of God, we're living in the love of God, and we're moving in the power of God.
perhaps need to sing that more, more often on ourselves. Finally, remember that one day the journey will end. And we will find ourselves in the presence of the God whom we love. What that exactly looks like, feels like, I don't know, there's some hints, but I'm sure it's good. <laughs> Every journey normally has a beginning and a process and an end. Where are you on the journey? Have you taken the first step? Are you getting a little weary on the journey and you need to stop and smell the roses? Are you approaching the end of the journey? Fear not, for God is with you and God will meet you. Wherever you find yourself today, enjoy the journey. It was meant to be enjoyed. Let's pray. Gracious God, thank you for the calling that you place on each of our lives. Thank you for the gift of hindsight to look back and see where you guided us in the journey in the past. Thank you for the promise that you will travel with us and that one day we will arrive and to be with you. Bless those who may be discouraged this morning. Call those who may have yet to start the journey and be close to those who may be nearing the end of the journey. Thank you, Lord God, for all of the blessings you bring into our lives. And I might say, and hopefully others are able to say, of all men, I am most greatly blessed as I've journeyed with you. In Jesus' name, amen.